Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coffee Talk and Tea Set. It is indeed a blessing to be here with you today. I am your co-host, Trisha Bray-Smith, here today with Miss Brenda Kilhoffer and Tammy Bray-Bright. Ladies, how are you this morning? I am good. How are you today? Tammy, you're just going to give them a little wave this morning. Huh? That's all right, guys. Today, we are talking about abortion and the hidden truths. <laughs> we are talking about abortions and the hidden truths today here on the Coffee Talking Tea Set. Uh, guys, we know that this uh, topic can be sensitive and also controversial in nature. So with that being said, viewer discretion is advised. So uh, maybe some of the content, if you have some of the little ones around the television watching with you, you really want to um, be advised that this topic is very sensitive in nature and there may be questions. So you want to make sure that you're in a position and prepared to answer some of those questions uh, with those younger uh, people that may be around you. Uh, nonetheless, guys, I'm ready to dig into this topic because uh, this is a topic that uh, impacts many of us, but we don't have a whole lot of conversation around it. And I believe that 2021 is just putting us into a position where we can feel free enough to talk about some of these uh situations and some of these issues that impact many of us, whether voluntary or involuntary, directly or indirectly. You know, um, I, I can think back as early as my teen years, you know, having a conversation with one of my uh, friends about abortions, you know, uh, them going out and getting abortions and how strongly uh, opinionated I was about what she done when I really, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't in a place to judge. You know, I had no right to judge. I, I did not um, really consider that. I only knew what I had been taught in my uh, religious organization. I only knew uh, the stigma or uh, the shame that was attached to that based on other people's opinion. So now that I, I'm thinking back here some 30 years later, I realize how wrong I was in that instance to be so judgmental to a teen who was obviously going through something at that time, uh, 
and having to be faced with the decision of whether or not to terminate or to keep her baby. Yeah, I'm not sure what the circumstances were there. And I think um, when it comes to the choice of abortion, first off, um, and I'm, I speak from personal experience, I've, I've had to, um, and I've gone through a lot as a result. Um, but I think the first, the first place we need to think about is, are we coming from a place of love or judgment? You know, when it's, when it's from judgment, yeah, that's, that can be a problem. Uh, and I don't think we should be afraid to tell somebody and give everybody every other option, opportunity, fact that's really out there about it. If it's not coming from, you know, if we're not coming from a place of judgment, if we're like, hey, look, you know what? This is what I've learned. Um, I am so, so sorry that you are in this position. And that's the first thing I want to, I, I, you know, you had said too that this is a sensitive topic um, for the viewers that are watching this you know, it could trigger some strong emotions. There are resources. Um, I don't at, you know, there is, there's a lot of trauma associated with abortion. It is a traumatic event. Um, certainly if you have a surgical one, I, I would think, you know, if you have a, an induced one from the, the, the pills at home, personally, I think that that would be even more traumatic. Um, you know, as I look at, there's a bit of distance for me in the abortions that I was involved in because I didn't actually do the, yes, I consented to it, sort of, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but I didn't actually do the procedure. Somebody else did that. So, um, you know, and, and for many years, I absolutely felt I did the right thing. I absolutely, I absolutely said, you know, I wouldn't have the kids I have now. I wouldn't have the life I have now. I wouldn't have any of this if I hadn't done that. And that all may be true. And yet I couldn't get through or past the trauma and the guilt that was locked up inside of me for years. Um, that didn't, I didn't even begin to start healing until a triggering event, which was a miscarriage. And even then I shut it down. It was another several years before, before I started to really come to terms with what an abortion is. And I, and I think it's very different too, for women of our age versus women that are making that decision today. Right. You know, when we went through it, we could, we could be told and buy into it's a clump of cells. It's not really a baby. Well, now modern medicine has shown, you know, at, at six weeks, five, six weeks, you've got a heartbeat. You know, by the time most people are having an abortion, you see a fully formed child. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not, you can tell that it is human. It is not just, you know, a cell. So, for those women that are watching this that could be triggered by this the resources are at go talk to somebody go share the emotions after um you know, and i don't want to take up all all kinds of time right here at the front end of it but uh, we'll get more into my story later i i'd love to hear from tammy hello everybody my um point on this is I believe a woman has the right to do with her body as she pleases. And I, from working in the medical field, I wish that um, the clinics would have some kind of counseling afterwards, because it is an after effect that I see. It's emotional, like Brenda was stating, emotional effect. And I think they just don't need just one counseling. It needs to be um, what you call that, a fallback where you call back on them. Not just once, but at least three times checking on them because there is an emotional state that 
the women go through after this procedure. It must be, it might be the best thing for them in life, but the aftermath is something else. And they need that. And as women, we need to support each other on this. Um, you know, if um, you have a friend that does that, um, you know, you need to be there for them. You need to call and check on them and, and all that. And um, this is a very, very touchy subject um, because each situation is different. Because you have that person's home life, you have that person's goals in play. And so each situation is different. So you can't base it on just one situation or this situation. Because each one, and it's a mental state they go through as well as the physical body. So, and Trisha. Man, guys, um, yeah, I'm just sitting here and just reflecting uh, Brenda, let me say this. Um, I appreciate your transparency and you sharing here on the platform today. And let me just say that I stand with you. And uh, the circumstances around uh, my choice to abort one of my babies um, may look different from the next person's story. But we have to really learn, as Tammy said, and as Brenda also implied, to support and build a community around one another. Uh, I agree on that. And what, what, what I will say, I definitely disagree with the fact that we have that right to do whatever we want with our body. Um, having done it, I don't, I mean, at the time, certainly I felt that. I don't feel that anymore. I think we have the right to do with our body what we choose as long as it doesn't infringe upon the rights of another human being. And those babies are human lives. Um, you know, and I don't, uh, you know, when, when I've really reflected on a question that, um, you know, was posed to me many, many, many years later, you know, I don't think it's circumstantial. I mean, you know, a lot of times we, we say, well, you know, is it a, if they're in an abusive environment, if they're if if it's poverty, if it's all of these things. But my question would then be, if a woman was in that environment with her six month old in the crib, does she then have the right to kill it, to spare it from poverty, from abuse, from all of those things? And if we disagree that she has the right to kill her child, then then why do we say? she has the right to kill that same child in the womb. And so that's that's kind of where um, I don't believe government should have ever gotten involved. I don't think they should have ever have legalized it, um, you know, because most of us are law abiding citizens. I think legalizing it was actually to me, it's a crime against women, you know, but somehow legalizing it made it this okay thing to do. Well, if the law says it's okay, it can't be that bad. And then when we go and, okay, it's, it's my choice. It's my right. We have no idea the depths of the trauma that are going to affect us for the rest of our lives. And the first time I saw an image of an unborn fetus, I mean, to come to grips with the reality that I killed my child. You know, when you see that image, you can't unsee that that was a child. And that is, that's a hard thing to overcome. I, I, I can definitely see um, your point of view. I mean, and it comes with knowledge. When we're looking at these uh, young ladies, uh, when we're looking at today's uh, world, when we look at what our world was then versus what it is now, there's so much more knowledge now than it was then. And so um, maybe that's going to impact some decisions or choices. Uh, but even though uh, we're looking at right versus wrong. 
how does that infringe upon what's right and what's privilege? And we're going to dig into that here in a bit. Uh, we, we're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back. Again, we're here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set today as we're talking about abortions, hidden truths. And we're bringing much of this conversation to the forefront. And so with that being said, viewer discretion is advised. Now, Brenda, right before the commercial break, you were talking about uh, your opinion and your perception of uh, what we have a right to do. And you shared that uh, in your opinion, women do not have the right uh, to choose abortion, have a right to um, decide what to do with their bodies because there is another human life uh, well, I, impacted. I, yeah, I think I, 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 when I, we have the right to do whatever we choose for ourselves, provided we don't infringe upon the right of someone else. So that's, that's where I'm saying, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's a, you know, like, like right now, there's this whole, you know, people are using the same argument when it comes to masks, right? You know, well, I, I have the right not to wear one. And they would say, well, no, you don't, because you're infringing upon my right, and you're causing me harm by not wearing one. You know, so if you apply that same argument, are we, um, you know, and, and I think that just boils down to what do you call a, a child, you know, that we, we term it, we term a, ba a, a baby in utero, a fetus, you know, and it, it comes down to that belief. Do you believe that that is a human or has personhood? And if you don't believe the child has personhood or is a human being, then when does it become one? At what point do you start giving somebody rights? And and then I think we we go into this whole other conversation. I mean, you know, we can go back in history and we can look at the example of slavery, right? Where they did not consider a person of color or an Irish person, someone with personhood. They were one fifth of a person when it came to the vote, when it came to anything. And so then all of these atrocities could be could, could be done against the these human beings because we didn't define them as a person. And I feel like, you know, the the an abortion itself is it it, it is you're killing a human life that doesn't have the opportunity. You know, Christ says, you know, protect the least of these. I think in our world today, our children are the least of these you know, at all ages, you know, when you go into <laughs> in utero or. <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested in know, to know, I know that, you know, I, I, I have a religious background, uh, but religion didn't play a role at all uh, in my decision to mm -hmm. uh, terminate my pregnancy. Uh, did religion at all play a role, not only then, but even looking at it now with uh, living in the silence of uh, deciding to terminate uh, your pregnancies. Uh, did religion play a role or does it play a role today? Um, I, I don't think it did for me. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, and this again, this is Brenda's opinion. So don't, <laughs> you know, those of you that have that have a different opinion, um, I am not condemning anyone's choice. I mean, um, 
but for me and in all of the conversations, because I've worked in a lot of post-abortion ministries since then, um, and I have talked to many, many women, and I have come with the exception of one or two. There are very few that I've met, you know, save that one or two that don't regret the decision they made. Now, there are a couple that even, even though they regret, they still wonder, like, what would that life have looked like? You know, and I, I kind of feel like at some point there will be this trigger because of the PTSD involved in it. There may be at some point this triggering event that's going to, oh, crud. Now I have. So I feel like I made the choice out of not having a choice. It wasn't that I felt like I had a choice. And I hate that we call abortion a choice because I feel like for all of the folks I've sat down and talked to that have made that decision, it was made out of a result of feeling they had no other choice or that any other choice they had, they couldn't live with, you know, (laughs) and And so it didn't, religion didn't play it. It, it was, and it was my own lack of belief and worthiness in myself. Like I truly, you know, for, for me, the very first time I was 17 years old, I was living at a friend's home. Um, My dad had said, I can remember when I was probably nine or 10, I don't care if you drink, I don't care if you smoke, I don't care if you do drugs, don't ever come home pregnant. So I didn't feel that I could even share or tell anybody like I was suffering in silence with this. And the family that I was at suspected it was going on. And they came and said, you know, you can't stay here. We can't help you if you if you don't do something about it. So it was something that I did. And of course, the my my boyfriend at the time wasn't willing to, you know, support or, you know, share with his family or, you know, there was such, you know, there was just such a stigma to being pregnant at that age that, you know, um, that, you know, we did it in silence. And I mean, it was, it was a traumatic experience, even at that, you know, there was no being unconscious. No, (laughs) I mean, I was awake through the whole procedure. The, um, the practitioner was just, I mean, I, I remember him mocking me, like, what are you crying about? You know, you did this to yourself. Why are you, why are you upset about it? Um, and, um, you know, and it, it's just, it's an experience. I'll never, you know, it, it, there's images from that. I'll never be able to get out of, you know, and then I sat in a hotel for two days, because I didn't want anybody to know, you know, we'd made up an excuse on where we were at. And I, and I slept at a hotel for two nights by myself after <laughs> afterwards. So nobody would know what I was going through. Um, and it's, I, I just, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and then I put on this strong superwoman. Yeah, it's my, you know, I'm so my, glad I did, you know, this, this exterior that nobody could get through. And I became a truly angry, bitter, you know, I, I can, I can look back and, you know, and like I said, there were a lot of, it was just my own worth, you know, if I, and not having a voice to say, Hey, I can do this. It doesn't matter what you said. I'm going to protect myself and my baby, and I'm going to prove everybody wrong (laughs) or, or whatever that looks like. Um, it was okay. You all said, Nope, you're not going to help me. Then I guess I'm on my own and I can't do this. Yeah. That that's really a a tough situation to uh, be in. And, and many people, you know, you're sitting here and you're struggling, uh, with what abortion looks like anyway. And, uh, abortion is, uh, a termination of pregnancy, whether, uh, it is, spontaneous or whether it's medically induced, you know, uh, like uh, going to a clinic or even uh, the doctor, you know, some women have been forced with the decision to terminate a pregnancy based upon the um, conditions. One has to survive, one, one has to die, and she has to make that decision of whether or not she gives her life or whether she uh, takes the risk of trying to have the baby and lose our own life. And so it's so much uh, gathered around the topic. 
And um, many of us are just out here making the best, I guess, choice or decision uh, that that we have at that time. And 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 I don't believe that's right or wrong. I don't believe that. Um, I should have to walk around or that I'm uh I would walk around with guilt. Uh I didn't have a lot of trauma like uh Miss Brenda based around uh, her decision. Like I said, mine was a totally uh different circumstance uh when it comes to that because I had support around me. But yet that pregnancy was hid. The only one that even knew about the pregnancy was uh, the father. And uh, that was the first thing that popped out of his mouth is uh, aborted. You know, he didn't want, I, I don't believe that he wanted anything to do with me, let alone a, a baby. And so um, I already had one and as a single parent. And then here we go with another one. And so it was just a different situation, but... I didn't live with the guilt. I stayed in silence, but I did not uh, live with the guilt. I don't think about it. And just here in 2021, did I, or, or 2020, did I share uh, my story in its entirety? And I did it on a speaking platform uh, with the summit that I did um, with uh, August Crenshaw and I spoke and I told my story for the first time in uh, 22 years. You know, I, I kept silent in that. Um, and so that I think thinking back changed my perception on how I interact and how I uh, give my support for women in their decision on what to do, what not to do. I don't believe that it is religion-based. I can just relate in a sense. And we know that even some women have lost their lives in the clinics uh, going to terminate a pregnancy all types of pros and cons and all different emotions based around that. Uh, Tammy, quickly, before we go to um, break, just give us a little insight on what it is that um, you're thinking right now uh, as opposed to what's been said in this segment. I'm thinking right now, my mind went back to back in the day, I had a friend that had an uh, abortion and she didn't tell me, now this is my BFF, she didn't tell me till after two years. Two years, she mentioned it, she was dating a um, school teacher who's a, a, a coach and um, they um, decided that she go and have one and there were times where she sit up and we would be at baby showers and she would cry and, you know, and she would have to excuse herself. And finally I, you know, talked to her and asked her what is going on. And she confided in me, but she had told me that every year on the date that she did that, she considered that as a birthday for that uh, baby that she aborted. And she said she couldn't hear crying. And I, at the time, we were young women back in the 90s. I didn't have the knowledge that I did now. I didn't, I, I didn't have the compassion as I did now. When you go through some things, you'll start having compassion for things. But when you're young and like grandma used to say, when you're young and dumb and don't care, you don't have compassion. And I was like, oh, girl, that's all in your head. And um, but it wasn't all just in her head. There was an emotional detachment that she hadn't went through for this baby. 
And when y'all begin to talk about those things, that point and that time just ran back through my mind, you know. And uh, I would just like to ask y'all, how do y'all feel about if a child, you know, because I've seen a case where a child was molested at 14 by somebody she's kin to, it's incest, and the child comes up pregnant. How do y'all feel about, should the child, in your own opinion, should the child be made to have this baby? What do y'all think about that? Or should it be given up for adoption? I mean, what are y'all thoughts on that? We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll get to that question when we come right back. Here on the Coffee Talking Tea set today, we're talking about abortion and addressing some of the hidden truths surrounding a woman's decision uh, to uh, terminate or not terminate a pregnancy. Uh, And just before our break, Tammy uh, posed a question to us on whether or not uh, the circumstances of, say, a 14-year-old uh, child uh, as a result of incest or being molested comes up pregnant, does that justify in your opinion, that that's your opinion, does it justify uh, abortion? And um, I first want to say, uh, you know, there's so many different circumstances surrounding uh, people faced with this dilemma. Uh, And Tyler Perry, he was the one uh, that brought it to the screen, (laughs) you know, and and you look at the dynamics of that. Uh, Families either having abortions or not having abortions or having the babies and then having someone in the family uh, adopt a baby as their own and they take on this lie, uh, so to speak. And I think with that, uh, either we're going to say uh, abort the baby and we're living with that guilt, or we have the baby and the baby is adopted off. And then uh, later that child is dealing with abandonment issues and some other issues surrounding of the emotional trauma of being given up for adoption or living a lie, uh, not knowing uh, who they are and uh, not being able to identify with the circumstances uh, based around their birth. Uh, Brenda, I'd like to hear uh, your opinion on that scenario. Um, yeah, when I was working for Justice for All, because this was, you know, again, the the question that we would always get down to is, what would you do in that same situation if the child was in the crib? And at the end of the day, if you believe that that human in the wound is a human being, then you should apply the same measure. Um, in in those cases, so there, there was actually a case study that we used to share of a young girl that had had been faced with that decision. Um, because of, and, and here's, when I talk about the trauma, it is truly a PTSD. I love, Tammy, that you shared what your friend went through. Um, I met a woman who, in her 60s, was making Thanksgiving dinner. And I could totally relate because, for me, that was the time frame in which I had my first abortion. She was making her Thanksgiving dinner 
And she just put the knife down. She was chopping onions or whatever. She walked out of the house. Her family didn't see her for three years. She ended up in a homeless encampment in San Diego because she just, the, the trauma just hit. And it wasn't until they, she was found again and actually began to go through some healing that she had realized what had occurred. And I've had similar trauma experiences. So I come from the, tra- you know, um, the, and, and when we talk PTSD, that is your, your subconscious is basically, you know, protecting you from the trauma. And there's so many details and things you can't even remember. And so when I go to, when I speak, when I, when I look at the second abortion, I can kind of give you an age, but I can't even tell you for sure how old I was. Like it is so blocked up <laughs> that I, I remember very few things. I remember one, the clinic definitely um, forced me to change the date that I thought that I was pregnant. I don't, I didn't at the time understand why now knowing what I know about the industry, I do understand that I was much further along than was legal for them to do the abortion in that state, but they doctored the paperwork to do it anyway. So that was the first piece of it. Um, Until I had um, a miscarriage where I had to have, um, so before my now six-year-old, I was pregnant and we lost Jonathan at 20 or at 18 weeks. And I had to have a, you know, I had to, I had to go through labor and delivery and, um, there were complications and the placenta wasn't delivering and I was hemorrhaging and bleeding out and they had to do, um, a DNC, which is exact, which is the same surgery. Right. And the last thing I remember as the, um, as the, um, anesthesiologist gave me the anesthesia, they started to put my legs up in the stirrup. And I just remember panic. Like I was in complete panic. And I also couldn't sign the paperwork. My husband had gone down to the cafeteria because, hey, she delivered the baby. We've grieved. It's all good. I'm going to go eat now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He'd been by my side. And so they needed, and now we've got an emergency. They wanted me to sign. I couldn't do it. Like I was sitting there it took me back to that moment of the second abortion when I was consenting. So I couldn't even sign the consent paperwork. The next day I asked the doctor and I know it's a long roundabout way to getting to answer your question, but I asked the doctor, I said, I'm in so my back is in so much pain. What's And he goes, there should be no reason. He said, but under anesthesia, you fought us. We had to restrain you. You were fighting us. So I, here I am now under anesthesia, fighting for the life of the baby I've already delivered because I'm associating it with this prior one many years ago. And um, a few weeks later, because I was working in the pro-life movement, we were praying for women at Planned Parenthood. A friend shared with me that she had actually had good friends that worked for Planned Parenthood and knew of situations where people had changed their mind and had been restrained and forced to have the abortion after all. And, and that's, and, and it clicked then that, okay, that's, that's where I'm at. That's why I fought in there. That's why every time I've had any kind of surgery, when I wake out of anesthesia, I'm screaming and hollering. And I mean, I, I really struggle with, I'm pulling it, everything, trying to get everything out of me. Um, in complete fear. And, (laughs) uh, and I realized, uh, you know, that one image I remembered where I said, no, no, I don't want to do this. And they said, it's too late. And so I still can't, you know, save little bits and pieces. Like I, I remember leaving. I remember there were protesters there. I mean, I just remember all kinds of things just, but I can't even tell you how old I was, what date it was, when it happened, I know it was a nice springy day. There was still snow on the ground. I, I mean, it's um, so back to the 14 year old, me knowing that that's the kind of trauma that this could cause this child after she's already been traumatized by somebody abusing and raping her. When the flip side is this story of hope that this other person shared that said, no, I'm gonna. I'm going to protect 
nobody protected me, but I'm going to protect this child in my womb. And I'm going to go ahead and, you know, be the hero in this story instead of the victim and save this child. And she's, she adopted the child out. You know, she, she did have her baby go for adoption and she went on to um, go to college and things like that. And she actually speaks quite a bit now in the pro-life world because she felt empowered. Now, is that how everybody's going to feel? I don't know, but I would not want to subject as a parent, my 14 year old to the trauma of the abortion, to the trauma of, you know, seeing those images down the road and maybe coming to terms the way I have that I killed my child. I mean, that's the reality that I had to, that I came to grips with. Maybe that's not a conclusion somebody else draws. But when I saw images of aborted fetuses, that was the only conclusion I could draw. And it took a lot of healing and to get past that place. So if it were my daughter that were 14, I, I don't think at 14 they have the um, ability to make the decision from an emotionally mature place and look forward into how it's going to affect them. I wouldn't do it. I, I absolutely wouldn't do it. Um, I would do everything I could to make sure that she was supported mentally, physically, emotionally through everything she went to. And, and maybe somebody else feels differently. I just, you know, for me, science tells me too much. You know, science says to me today that by the time most of us, by the time any young woman even knows that they have that they're pregnant that's that heartbeat's already there you know there's five little finger you know 10 little fingers 10 little toes there's a breathing human life that's potential that has the potential to do all kinds of things that i feel should be protected um you know and statistically i know Aunt Trisha, you mentioned the um the deaths, I, I kind of look at that like, a you know, when it's the life of the mother, the life of the child, I, I tend to look at that as a triage type situation. You know, usually at the point that a, again, then this just comes from the education I've done, usually at the point that that realization is made, that unborn baby could survive on life support or, you know, could, could potentially survive. You know, if you can get to that 24 week point, and that's usually when those life threatening situations come up, then, you know, you do what you can to save both lives. And in most of those situations, if, if, if a life is lost, it's usually going to be the life of the child that is lost at that early stage. It's not going, but, but again, that's not, I'm willfully choosing one life over the other. I just think as humans and as moms, as mothers, as nurturers, I don't think we're wired <laughs> to be able to cope with that trauma. So that's just, that's just my take on it. And, you know, again, I don't condemn anyone for the decisions they made. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here and just reflecting. I, I, I think that I, I didn't give a second thought to uh, my decision. Uh, I tried to justify it. Um, and um, having not dealt with my own uh, traumatic experiences coming up as a young child and some of the issues that I was dealing with, some of the things that uh, I was going through emotionally at the age of 22 and already um, being a mother to one child and then just the thought and the fear uh, that I experienced at the thought of having another to, uh, to, uh, to, to raise and to raise alone, I believe that that uh, somehow played a role in uh, my past decisions as it related to abortions, but it also plays a role in how I'm able to uh, empathize with others, dealing with um, issues as it relates to guilt, as it relates to uh, right versus privilege, as it right, uh, 
relates to right versus wrong, uh, religious, not religious in their decisions. And so uh, my whole perception on everything is just different. Had I had the opportunity to go back in time and make another decision, I am not certain that uh, the choices that I've made in my life would change as a result of that because it has helped to create who I am today and how uh, my perception on life, how I'm able to impact uh, the lives of others and lend that support and affirmation in the choices that they make uh, as it relates to uh, life, whether pro-life or, or whatever. So uh, we're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back as we wrap up today this very sensitive topic as we address abortions and some of the hidden truths surrounding it. We're here on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set as today, me and my co-host are talking about abortions and the hidden truths surrounding abortions. And we've hit so many angles on it and also shared some of our own personal uh, traumatic experiences as it has related to uh, abortions. And whether you've had an abortion or whether you know someone, uh, a friend or a loved one, uh, that has been tr uh, traumatically impacted by abortion, you know, uh, there's really no right and wrong in this. I, I, I believe that we make decisions based on um, the resources and what we know at that time. And many of us, for years, we live with guilt. Many of us uh, don't see how that decision has uh, impacted our lives or we feel like uh, we suppressed enough uh, that we don't live in guilt. But really, every decision we make surrounding an experience that we have in our life impacts our perception. And uh, as a result of it, we live in silence. I, I shared with you, I lived in silence for uh, 22 years before I shared my story uh, based around my decision to abort and my family. It, it's it's something that most of my family have never heard. And, and many of the stories and the traumas that I experienced, I wrote about it in my books. I shared uh, bits and pieces of my story in my books so that others who read it who may be in silence, who may not have up until this point found a voice for their uh, experiences so they can see that I stand with them and that many of the things that we go through and we feel like we're the only one because no one's talking about it so that they can see that they are not alone. And if I can somehow give some other woman that voice, if I can give some other woman that strength or that courage they need to speak out, I believe that anything that I've went to through past uh, currently and the things that I'll go through in the future uh, is not in vain. I believe that this is the purpose for my life. And these are just some of the blueprints along the way that has helped me in some form uh, connect and provide that woman a voice that she uh, seeks so that she can begin to heal and begin to even live out her life purpose 
in giving her story a voice so that she can impact change for those that she has been purposed to impact that change with. Uh, Tammy, any last words for you? And then Brenda, share with us some of your last thoughts as we begin to wrap up today's topic on abortions, uh, the hidden truths. My last words would be, you know, this is a tough decision for anybody to make for a couple to make for a a woman a teenager anybody in this decision to make this decision whether or not um seek out help that's what i'm gonna say seek out help whether you have a minister you can pray with or a friend or whatever and if you are suffering in silence I definitely say seek out help. Um, the emotional stress can it can really affect your life that you can't function day to day. And um, Brenda was talking earlier about a situation she was in in the hospital and um, how the doctors did and everything like that. You know, um, there was one situation where uh, a mother came in. And it was, they was, and she was pregnant and she was in a bad car accident. And the, and uh, the doctor called down to the laboratory and I happened to be the one to answer the phone. And he said, is there anything else you can give me to support, uh, you know, the decision? And I said, you know, and I, I didn't want to answer that question. You know, we have done all we can do on the laboratory part you know, to save that child. So you know what I did? I handed the phone to somebody else. I said, telephone for you. Because, you know, those are emotional doctors that go through, you know, what Brenda went through, they go to emotional things. Yes, we, we are trying for, you know, death and dying situations and things like that. But it always pulls a toll on you also, you know. And uh, like I said, I tell everybody to, you know, seek uh, support on this issue because I've never been through it, through one. So I can't really comment what it's like or what only for the from the testimonies of other people. And um, like Brenda says, she has no judgment. I have no judgment. Because I love everybody. And uh, and I just want to say, Brenda, take your arms and give yourself a hug for me. Because I can't touch you, but I just want to hug you and kiss your cheek. And, and you do the same thing. Because y'all are brave women to come out and talk to this issue. Because y'all want to help and heal the other women that are going through this. And my friend that went through this, I might have her to watch this. You know, I hadn't, I've sat back and listened on this episode because I haven't went through it. So my opinion would just be based on judgment of my opinion. It wouldn't be just, you know, hey, I went through this and I can tell you about it. So I've, I've sit here and listened and I've been emotional support for y'all to tell you I love y'all. Y'all are beautiful. Y'all have made a difference and an impact in the lives of people. Because y'all shared y'all story. And I see the tears dropping. And that just means growth. Growth. And I'm going to go because I'm getting emotional. And we don't want this to be an emotional segment. (laughs) It's hard for it not to be. Um, You know, my my final thoughts are, you know, Aunt Tricia, you said the guilt. Um, You know, those suffering and guilt. And I'm... You know, that's the first thing that I I want to address. I mean, because I can remember starting to go back and seek, you know, and I, I didn't get to be part of last week's show. I can't wait to watch it with the the truths on religion or, you know, the but you know, I can remember going and and I was going through the rite of Catholic initiation for adults because my husband was Catholic. And every, you know, the prayer that they do every single Sunday, they pray for the unborn. And 
the guilt for me at that time was so massive that that didn't translate to truly praying for a good out. You know, that translated to me to you're bad. You had an abortion. You don't belong in this church. And that was not the case at all. And then the first time I shared um, my story, it was in the church setting. And do you know that many of the people after me sharing this to try and teach, they went to my, over to my husband and said, you're really a good man. Um, and I felt like I'd been gut punched, like I'm trash because I've been through this. So he's a good man for having married me with all of my baggage. Cause that was essentially what was being said. So I, I want to, what I want to say is when it comes to anything, whether it's abortion or anything you've done in your life, there's no space for guilt, except that you did the best you could with what you knew. I agree with Aunt Tricia. Like if I could ma wave a magic wand and go back and change it all, I wouldn't because this was the perfect path for me to be relatable, to do what I feel is my purpose to be able to get out there and share and maybe spare somebody else from that trauma. I'm glad to have, I'm grateful to have been, had the experience to have grown from the experience to have formed the opinion that I now have. Um, because I feel like in this conversation on abortion, and I think that's where as a society, we get it so and I hate to use the right for right and wrong, but okay, where we really truly do a disservice to women. Because when we fight, we fight for the right of the baby. We don't fight for the right of the woman. We don't tell the woman, this is what you're going to go through. This is the, you know, this is the sentence that you get to live with for the rest of your life. You get to feel guilt. You get to feel like you don't belong in the church. You get to feel like you're hiding lies. You get to feel all of these things, or you get to be, you get to keep all this pent up anger, or you're, you know, or when you do have a miscarriage, you might feel guilt like it's your fault. Or when you do have a healthy baby, you may feel that you don't deserve that baby. You know, we don't have those conversations. And because of the path that I've had, I can have those conversations with somebody who's considering it. I can have those. We can shine light on the darkness that is what it is. You know, I, I always go back to we're women, we're nurtured, we're, we're, we're wired to be nurturers. Making this choice goes against our very nature as, as a woman. And so it's bound to really, really mess us up. <laughs> And so if you've, if you've been through it and you, it, it, because most can, don't even understand, most don't even relate that. I mean, many women who have part of the PTSD, most women experience, you know, more sexual promiscuity, more drugs, more drugs, alcohol, um, you know, relationships that never work. They're not, you know, all of those things are after effect of the abort. I mean, I know one lady who actually shared that she had six abortions with the same man because the men are affected the same way. So they would break up. She'd have the abortion. They'd break up. He felt bad about it, wanted to have a child with her now. So would intentionally get pregnant. Then she would realize, oh, he's a bad guy. I can't do this or I'm not able to do it and have another abortion. It's not you know, it's not this. Oh, they use abortion as birth control. Like people want to say it's the trauma that keeps them going back. And I think it's really important to dig in, do the research and follow the money. I mean, let's face it, most of the pharmaceuticals, most of the vaccines, most of everything that's made today is made with aborted fetuses. You know, they, they, there's so much money in that industry. Planned Parenthood sells these, you know, all of, all of the aborted fetuses for, um, medicine for the different parts and things like that. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that and that'll get us in trouble, but th that's been in the news, do your own research, <laughs> you know, but, but it's all sold back to science for different pharmaceuticals and things. And I think, um, you know, there, there was one owner of a Planned Parenthood, I'm going to be super quick because I know we're out of time. There was one owner of a Planned Parenthood in a documentary that said she knew how many girls she had to put on birth control to net a million dollars in abortions. 
because they would intentionally put them on a low dose so that they would be promiscuous, um, that they would chance, they would most likely get pregnant because they wouldn't take it at the same time every single day. And then they would net a million dollars. It is a business. It's an industry. And we unfortunately fall into that trap because we're not talking about it because we're suffering in silence and maybe don't always make the best decision because we don't know, but do know that you did the best you could with at the time and don't, you know, don't let it hold you captive for the rest of your life. If you need help and support healing. And I did the same thing. And Trisha, I shared mine in a book and I'm grateful for the experience as hard as it's been. Um, but I know it's part of, you know, what we're called to do. Absolutely. Guys, wherever you are in your journey, just know that you matter and that your life has value. These are the blueprints of our lives. And if you need help putting that blueprint together, please reach out to us here on the Coffee Talking Tea set at coffeetalkingt21 at gmail.com.